In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Today in the gospel reading, Jesus says, keep awake, keep awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Uh, Recently, and I tell this story uh, with my wife's permission, get ready. That's a signal to get ready. So Mindy recently was tasked with um, babysitting the child of family friends as they went to deliver uh, their, their new baby. And so when labor began, they were going to swing by our house, drop off their son with Mindy, and then head straight to the hospital, all right? And so uh, on a day that I was away at a clergy conference, Mindy receives the call. It was the middle of the night, actually, and by mistake, Mindy's phone was on silent. So Mindy heard neither the first call, nor did she hear the 30th call. As my good friend Fritz and Barbie, whose contractions were now increasing uh, quickly, were panicking. So they, uh, they drive to our house. I think it's about one in the morning now. Remember, I'm not there. So Mindy is at home alone. Daphne's in the next room. And Mindy is, as she would say, sleeping the sleep of the gods. Just, she's out. The next thing she knows is a bearded gentleman banging on her bedroom window. <laughs> Mindy said she sprang up and slid against the wall like this, you know. (laughs) When she came out of her fog, she realized that sitting outside in a Subaru was an expectant mother, now full-on labor. They had the baby, I think it was an hour uh, later. Um, But I'm happy to say that our friends uh, are the, the proud parents of a new baby girl, so all's well that ends well. Keep awake, Jesus says. Jesus says, keep awake. You know neither the day nor the hour. Um, Here in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking about his return. And, And through a number of different parables, it's not just one. He's telling a bunch of stories in a row that hammer home the point. Look, make sure your cell phones are on, metaphorically. Jesus probably hates cell phones, but I don't know. Make sure your bags are packed. Make sure your house is in order. There's gas in your tank. Be fully prepared for my second coming. That's the point. So this is the theme of the gospel reading. And here's what our passage, our parable, tells us about this theme of being awake, being ready, being prepared. Two parts. First, the parable speaks to the reality of Christ's return. The reality of Christ's return. And, and the reality is a double-sided coin. We'll get to this in a minute. It's imminent, but it's delayed. It's coming any second, but it's not here yet. That's the reality of Christ's return. And then the parable speaks in part two about our response to his return. So the reality of and our response to the bridegroom, Christ's return, his second coming. First, let's talk about the reality of the bridegroom's return, its imminence and its delay. Take out your scripture insert if you wish. Follow along with me in the parable. 
You know, for as much as this story talks about the ten bridesmaids, the main character of the parable is actually the bridegroom. In fact, Jesus begins his story of this wedding feast not at the beginning of all the activity, because the wedding would have started a couple days earlier, maybe more. Jesus drops us into the middle of a story where we find ourselves at the climactic moment of all the wedding festivities. This is the moment everyone has been waiting for. Perhaps they're all gathered. That's why all the bridesmaids are there. It's like the groom's family, some of the wives' family. They're all at the new home or at uh, the the, the bridegroom's father's home. They're all at the, the place where this couple's new life will begin. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to come back and let the party start. All right? That's where we're at in this wedding couple's story. So the, all the bridesmaids, you can feel the energy. They're just, they're busy getting prepared. Get your lamps ready. Get your wicks trimmed. Uh, don't fall asleep. Of course, they all fall asleep, and that's okay because he, he was delayed. But the energy is, he could come any moment. Are you ready? You feel that? If ever I'm keeping Daphne, my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, uh, while Mindy, my wife, is away at work or something, um, Daphne is focused on one thing. You know what that one thing is? When is mommy coming home? No toys, no snacks, no lollipops or lolly chops, as she calls them currently. None of these things will suffice. I want what? Mommy. The thing is, It's not like Daphne sits at the window, you know, doing nothing, just politely waiting for mommy to return. It's more like everything else she does, playing, eating, snacking, is overshadowed by the reality that mommy, any moment, could return. Do you realize, Christian, According to the scriptures, the return of the bridegroom Christ is imminent, imminent, any second. Jesus says the bridegroom, for whatever reason, though, is delayed. And so this is the drama of the story. Not just that the bridegroom could return any moment, but that for some reason, for whatever reason, only God knows the bridegroom is delayed two-sided coin to the reality of Christ's return. This is where, like, the drama, the tension of this story happens as Jesus is telling it because, you know, who knows why the bridegroom isn't here. The best suggestion that I encountered uh, as I studied this passage was one commentator who said, you know, I think he was in an argument with his soon-to-be father-in-law about the dowry to be arranged for his wife. So already you've got some good in-law drama going on, you know. Regardless, the bridegroom doesn't come, and what happens? This creates a major problem for the the bridesmaids. Some actually all fall asleep. Some weren't prepared. Um, Did you know, did you know that from the Scriptures, as far as we know, there is nothing that keeps Jesus from returning this very day, and yet mass shootings continue? don't they? And uh, in the news this week, 
lots of harassment, uh, dehumanizing harassment. That's the nicest way to say it. This just, this stuff just keeps happening. And aren't we all left, especially as Christians, saying, come, Lord Jesus. In the psalm this morning, we prayed, oh, Lord, do not tarry. Do not tarry. One way to think about the writings of the New Testament, that, the whole half of the Bible, is, especially the epistles, actually, is to view them as responses of early Christian leaders like Paul or Peter to parishioners just like us who were asking, hey, what do we do? I thought Jesus was coming back today, but he's delayed. All of the New Testament sort of is writing in this context. What do we do in the now and not yet? We know Jesus could come back tomorrow, but he's still not here yet. What do we do with marriage? Does marriage really matter? Should we get married? Should we stay single? What do we do with money? If Jesus is coming back tomorrow, money doesn't matter, right? But if he's not coming back tomorrow, I need some money. The whole New Testament is really written toward this end. What, how do we live in the meantime? How do we respond? So we feel the struggle just like the bridesmaids felt the struggle. What do we do? Do we wait up? We're going to try to stay awake, but we can't. How do we wait for the, for the bridegroom? Here's part two of the parable. Not just the reality of Christ's return, that, that, that his, his coming is right now, imminent, any second. Nothing keeps him back, and yet he hasn't come back yet, and that's a reality we live with. Here's part two. How do we respond then? How do we live to that? Um, I'm reminded in asking this question of some bumper stickers always a good source of, for theology as you're driving around town. Also, uh, there, you can get these t-shirts on Amazon that say this, but it, they say, uh, Jesus is coming underneath, look busy. In the 1980s, there was a guy named Bruce Beach who uh, responded to the threat of imminent doom uh, of, of a nuclear attack by building the largest bomb shelter ever known. He called it the Ark II, like Noah's Ark. He gutted 42 school buses. He buried them in his backyard, which is sort of like a big field. And um, he put them underground. He built kitchens in them, living rooms. Hundreds of people can live there. So if, I guess if some of you are preppers and would like to contact Bruce, uh, you could probably find him online. The thing is, people of God looking busy with good deeds and prepping for doomsday, these are not the way the scriptures ask us to respond to the bridegroom's imminent but delayed return. So how do we respond? Let's look at the bridesmaids. In the story, the bridesmaids respond in two ways. One is foolish and one is wise. Now, did you notice what made the difference? What made one response foolish and one response wise? Well, it wasn't having your lamp, because all the bridesmaids had the lamps, right? It wasn't going out to greet the bridegroom, because all the bridesmaids go out to greet the bridegroom. It, it wasn't even that all the, the bridesmaids uh, uh, were able to stay awake, because actually none of them were able to stay awake. The difference, Jesus says, was oil. Like oil, what? The wise bridesmaids had oil for their lamps. They were prepared for the delay of the bridegroom. 
Um, scholars throughout church history have tried to figure out, what does this mean? What, what's the oil? You know, we get the bridegroom is Jesus, the bridesmaid's the church, but what's, what's the oil? And, and is the lamp something and the oil something else? Honestly, we don't know. But if we think about Matthew's gospel, whose theme is putting your, your deeds where your faith is, it's not just giving lip service to God, but it's matching in your actions, your behavior, your life, your works of mercy. It's matching those two things together. If we read Matthew's gospel, it makes sense that perhaps having your lamps is not enough if you don't have them lit with deeds of faith. Do you see that? Perhaps this oil is simply good, old-fashioned, biblical, legitimate faith. Not just showing up, but being full-hearted engaged in your relationship with Jesus. Just being all there, all in. You know, um, in a tradition like ours, this expression of Christianity, liturgical Christianity, uh, one in which we place an emphasis on the objective uh, the objective means of grace in the sacrament. So we really think that showing up to Mass actually matters, right? Something happens when you show up here. God gives us His grace, and He does so in baptism. So, but one of the dangers is that one's heart can sort of slip away into the rubrics, into the beauty, into the mechanics of the liturgy, Instead of becoming, as Thomas Cranmer said in his preface to the original Book of Common Prayer, instead of becoming more inflamed with the love of true religion. That is to say, sometimes we can just go through the motions rather than having a heart that's dynamically involved, in love with, following Jesus. I think that's the oil. It's not enough just to have your lamp you got to have the oil to go with it. So how do we respond to the bridegroom's imminent and yet delayed return? We respond with full faith, words and deeds, desires and actions. This is how we respond. Um, You realize, don't you, that every Sunday morning or evening, if you come to the 6 p.m. service, that every Sunday we actually practice as a family the return of Christ. That's what this is right now. That's what we're doing. The reality of Christ's return and our response to that is encapsulated in this service of Holy Eucharist. Uh, The pomp and the circumstance of the liturgy sort of helps us get the point that today is not another ordinary day. It's a special day, a special occasion, a celebratory occasion. It's actually a party with a feast. We, uh, we, We do something like reciting vows in this service, don't we? We believe in one God. We say, yes, Lord. We say, we do, as the bride. And God says, I do, to us. In just a moment, when the party, the feast begins at the Supper of the Lamb. Every Sunday is a dress rehearsal for the second coming of Christ. Just to make sure everyone is ready and awake. I can't help but think, 
in light of the hard words at the end of the story when Jesus says, the door is shut, time's up. I can't help but think the fact that we're all sitting here listening to this parable right now, Jesus is speaking to us and saying, it's not too late. The party isn't over. Come. Come to the table. Sit down and feast with me with real oil in your lamps. O Lord, do not tarry, we pray. Amen.